welcome to Federal Blockchain News, a podcast bringing the latest news about U.S. federal agencies leveraging blockchain technologies. Each week, we talk with leading innovators throughout the field about their perspectives on blockchain and its implications for U.S. federal agencies and bring you the latest news on federal blockchain projects. Welcome to Federal Blockchain News. I'm John Stevens. In October, the Department of Homeland Security's Silicon Valley Innovation Program announced five Phase I awards for innovation in blockchain. I'm speaking today with the CEO of one of the award recipients, Patrick Mandick. This is MavenNet's second award under the program. In 2019, DHS supported their development of a platform to trace oil. This year, MavenNet has proposed to do the same for natural gas supply chains between Canada and the U.S., Patrick, thanks for joining, and congratulations on your continued success under this program. Thanks for having me. So can you talk to me a little bit about what you propose to DHS, and maybe even how does one trace natural gas? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe a bit of of background. So we, we started getting down the path of traceability of oil probably about a year and a half ago when we first proposed it to the DHS. And obviously, oil is probably the largest space when it comes to commodities that are crossing the border from, from Canada into the U.S. Gas is also a large item on that list. But the way we see it is that uh, gas is a specific use case or subset of the work we've done for oil already. So if you look at how oil travels, it's not just the pipe like water where it's just continuous oil going through through the pipe and getting distributed in a uniform way across uh, different locations. Oil, it looks more like an, an IP packet in, in, in networking speak, right? It's a batches that are moving through through the pipeline with different grades and are being injected and extracted in different locations that need to be scheduled in advance. There are cases in which you actually blend that oil and you blend different streams of oil to create uh, one more or less uniform grade. And so that's kind of the sub case that we're using to export to gas, right? So we're taking what we've learned from from oil and expanding it to into gas. So you begin with your NeoFlow platform specifically developed for energy and you have then further refined it to help trace oil. And then from there, you have proposed to Silicon Valley Innovation Program at DHS that they help you to extend that to tracing natural gas. That's correct. And uh, and think of the importance of uh, different energies behave a little bit different, but the fundamentals underneath, well, they are similar in the sense that uh, you have fungible type of uh, energy, you have energy that... Uh, you can actually measure, and in this case, uh, for the most part, oil, it's uh, it's measurable, right, in terms of the batches and the barrels that travel uh, across the, the pipeline. Uh, gas is a dis- displacement commodity, right? So it's it's completely fungible. Every molecule, depending on the on the location of the pipeline, is the same the uh, the, the other molecule. From that perspective, you know, there's some differences, but all they share a common uh, foundation, right? So what we do is we have developed those common foundation, right, to to be able to trace to different type of energies from electricity, gas, uh, oil. Uh, and, but the reality is that 
in order to get to market, you have to focus very targeted on specific markets, specific geographies, and specific use cases. And, and that's how you start essentially getting critical mass, right, and, and expanding. And, and that's the strategy that we have been following. And that's why also this engagement with, with the, the DHS-CBP is so important for us. So that's why it's important to you. Why do you think it's important to CBP? The press release announcing the award cited the implementation of the recent United States-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. Is there a role for CBP to take advantage of the platform as you're developing it as a result of this work once it's complete? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have a say on the type of features that they would like to, to have in the platform, right? At the end of the day, they're supporting this platform uh, monetarily. So they have a say of uh, on what they want and, and how they, they, they want it. And, and for them, if you are able to digitalize a barrel of oil, then you're going away from this you know, massive effort that uh, needs to take place to trace what has happened after the fact to that barrel of oil following a paper trail. Right. And uh, in a way that typically on one side, those papers are distributed across a large number of stakeholders. And on the other side, the reality is that if you just have a paper, the trust that you can have on that paper is just as big as the trust you can have on the person that's presenting it. Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, if your Photoshop skills are, are good enough, you, you might be able to, to try to trick the system. Right. So making a system that you can simply not forge past on the fly, it's uh, it's very relevant and very important. And the, the priorities for them at the end of the day are to make sure that the border is secure on one side, make sure that there's nothing that it's uh, that shouldn't be crossing the border, uh, you know, crosses the border. And on the other side, making it as frictionless as possible. It's a benefit of everyone that that the border is frictionless as long as anything that crosses the border is actually uh, legitimate. It helps the companies that are involved uh, not have overheads in in the, the commercial transactions. It helps the DHS in the in the work that they have to focus on. And uh, ultimately, it also helps uh, elevate the, the security standards of uh, what crosses the border. So as a result of this project, what will there be? What's the end product that you propose? Yeah, so at, at the end of the, the product, what we'll have, uh, I guess, as a society, is, is a platform that people can use to report what is happening to the barrels of oil that uh, are being produced or being moved or are crossing the border, making it extremely easy for importers and exporters to declare the the goods that, that cross the border and the DHS to have the visibility of, of what's crossing the border and have the proof of the actual proof of origination because that's the other thing. Uh, currently, it's extremely difficult to to actually approve origin of uh, the oil crossing the border or, or the gas crossing the border uh, just because there is so many stakeholders uh, in between and uh, and the product changes hands multiple times so going backwards and and tracing the physical commodity and link it to the actual certificate of origination is is difficult. So it will help uh, prove uh, USMCA or NAFTA status of the product that crosses the, the border. And ultimately, 
it uh, it will help the industry w- in the sense that uh, they might not have to pay tariffs that they are currently paying just because they are not able to prove uh, origination of that product. And we're making sure that all our technology is highly interoperable, that we're using the identity standard set forth uh, by the W3C. We're collaborating with uh, and, and contributing to the to W3C to make sure that uh, things like, for example, uh, a certificate of origination, there's something that is defined uh, as a standard, as a, as a verifiable credential, and everyone anyone can go in and, and implement their, their version of it. We are clear that the market globally and geographically is is huge, that we are going to be more successful the more critical mass adopts these type of technologies. And so we're not only keeping our APIs open, we are encouraging others to build on the same standards. The, the way I see it is very similar to the way the internet originated. If I were to to come up with uh, TCP IP, but I just keep it to myself or to my company, I really only have an internet, right? I, I don't have the full extent to the internet. Now, at the moment that I decide to say, no, I am going to elevate this. I am going to get others to, to use my, my, uh, the, the protocol and share the development of that protocol. Now I'm, a, I'm not longer on an island. I'm able to communicate with, uh, w- with a bunch of other organizations or, or person or institutions. And based on that, you can start thinking about what other applications you can build on top what you, uh, of that communication fabric that you have created, right? So now on the internet analogy, you can think about, you know, the Google Maps or whatever it is that that, that communication enabled. For us, digitalizing uh, an asset, you can think, well, if you are thinking right now about the use case cross-border commodities, well, you know, you can use exactly the same information to do regulatory reporting. You can use exactly the same information to start thinking about uh, trade financing, right? So there's a bunch of use cases that that start to be open the more people align on that specific communication fabric. And, and so, and it doesn't mean that we as Mavenet are the only ones that uh, that are going to be building those use cases. So we have some ideas. We have uh, uh, some thinking of what are some of the the killer use cases that we could bring to the market. But uh, I think that the, the real big ones probably we haven't thought about yet, right? And, and maybe it's someone else who implements them, right? So, and I think that's the that's the, the big picture of this, right? And how it could change not only oil, not only gas, but energy and, and even other commodities beyond that. Okay, we're gonna take a break right there and come back and talk more about the technical aspects of the project. As a technology business with federal customers, you know that federal agencies are investing in blockchain technologies now. When your clients turn to you with their blockchain project opportunities, will you be prepared? Federal blockchain pros can help. At Federal Blockchain Pros, we are experienced, certified blockchain technologists focused on the federal market. We can help you find delivery partners, train your teams, and be ready to win and succeed when opportunity knocks. 
To be ready for federal blockchain projects, visit federalblockchainpros.com today. We're back. I'm John Stevens. I'm talking with CEO Patrick Mandick of MavenNet about MavenNet's work with their NeoFlow platform for traceability in oil and natural gas under Department of Homeland Security's Silicon Valley Innovation Program. Patrick, I think everybody who's familiar with blockchain enterprise use cases knows about the application to supply chains. But can you tell me first, for this specific use case, oil and gas crossing the border, does it require blockchain? Or are there other alternatives that you could have gone with? So, John, that's a, that's a really good question. And uh, I would just say a, a couple of things about that. I mean, no solution is or very few solutions are, are just purely uh, blockchain. So we are using blockchain in in different ways because we believe that it allows us things that we wouldn't be able to, to do without blockchain. And I'll go into that in a second. But the platform is not just exclusively a blockchain, right? So it has a lot with respect to, to APIs, how communication is changed, and so on. Now... There are two areas in which we're using blockchain that uh, we think are, are very, very important. One of them is decentralized identifiers and the, the verifiable credentials that uh, are the standard that is being pushed by the DHS and, and, and the CVP to solve for identity that they might not one to manage independently as the government of the U.S. or the government of Canada uh, is opening the door at, at providing identity in a standard fashion to anyone crossing the border, any good crossing the border. So that's one side. The other side in which we're using blockchain, which is uh, very important as well, is in the ability to create timestamps you, know, you, you cannot forge, essentially. So we, we have created this concept. We call it the Appalachian of Origin, which essentially proves the life cycle of an asset from its birth till it's either till the current point of time or till uh, that asset expires or, or gets consumed, right? And that certificate has a couple different important differentiators that wouldn't be able to, uh, that you wouldn't be able to have without blockchain. And so if you start with just a, a paper document, as I said before, you know, you can Photoshop it, you can change it, you can do whatever you want with it. However, at the moment that you start collecting specific events that are signed by specific organizations, that are timestamped in the blockchain, that record of the life cycle of an asset starts creating a certain level of certainty that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. For example, if I had a, a tanker of uh, natural gas in my backyard, I wouldn't be able to just create a record of that asset on the spot. I cannot go back in time on the blockchain and change a timestamp in the past. That's simply not possible. The only way to do that would be to create stamps in real time simulating the, the life cycle of an asset and colluding with everyone across the value chain. So is it 
impossible to to go around. Well, nothing is impossible. Nothing is 100% secure. Is it harder to do than the current state? It's uh, several orders of magnitude harder. So again, it's a combination of logic that we put on our side and uh, blockchain scams and blockchain ID creation uh, that we're using as the basis of, of this product, but it's not the only thing. Are you using tokenization or a digital twin structure of some kind to help represent these quantities of natural gas? Yeah, so it depends on how you really want to define it. We're not using tokenization in the sense of creating a, a fungible, a non-fungible token like an ERC-20 or something like that, right? So, so in that sense, we're closer to creating a digital twin of an asset and creating a, an identity for, for that asset and then recording if its life cycle. So on that base, we're generating anything else that, that is required to communicate to the different stakeholders that need to know specific information, right? So we're making sure we're mindful of privacy, right? So we know that competitors don't want to share information about what they produced and who they sold it to and so on. So we're making sure to keep those transactions and those those levels of privacy to on the fingerprints of the of the producers, and it's their option to decide whether they want to share that information with the CVP, with the regulators, or not. Obviously, the idea is that they'll have substantial benefits if they disclose that information digitally for the CVP and potentially for, for regulators. So that's kind of how we're thinking about or how we have defined the, the our product. Does that enable you to subdivide or combine the natural gas? Well, yeah. I mean, like in general, natural gas and uh, oil, right? So you can split a batch, right? And, and so you need to be able to, from one root identity to create two, two identities for, for that product and so on. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's one of the things, the benefits that we see from tokenization is the ability to to break yeah. apart units into smaller units and still maintain that traceability to even combine products and still maintain their traceability back to their origins. You spoke about that as something that you would do with oil. I didn't know if that was something that would also be done with natural gas. And if you're not using a formal tokenization structure, if that's possible. It's exactly the same thing. A uh, thing that at the end of the day, when it comes to the actual asset in the in its most fundamental essence of the asset, for us, it's a subset of uh, oil blending, right? So it's a similar, very similar case. Can you tell me a little bit about the platforms that you're using? Yeah, absolutely. So we focus very much as Mavenet on building applications, building use cases on top of existing technology. So we focus less on the actual infrastructure and developing our own blockchain or anything of that sort, right? So right now, we're using Hyperledger as the, as the basis for a product, and uh, we're using it uh, uh, AWS instances. So that's our, our infrastructure stack. And, um, and on top of that, we have defined a a set of uh, APIs right, to to manage that, and uh, we have produced a specific clients for visualization of the data that we are going to be offering to to clients 
in case they want to use a, a NeoFlow client as opposed to maybe integrate directly to their their ERP systems or integrate directly with uh, with internal systems that they that they have. At the end of the day, we're using the same APIs whether you go and uh, connect to an ERP or whether you use one of our our clients. It's exactly the same thing. It's just a skin to to be able to to manage that information in a way that maybe it's a bit more innovative and maybe it's a bit more uh, powerful that uh, what the current state has to offer in terms of uh, ERP. But, uh, but our clients will be and are flexible to use the platform in, in any way they, they wish and connect it in any way they, they wish to consume that information to report that information or to share information with other uh, organizations. Okay, we're going to pause again there, and we're going to come back in just a moment to talk about the future. As a federal technology leader, navigating blockchain can be overwhelming. Federal blockchain pros stay current with the latest blockchain technologies to provide you with knowledge about what is working in government and industry. Our expert strategic advisors will help you understand when to consider blockchain, which vendors are producing results, and how to ensure your vendors are following best practices in this complex field. Embrace the power of blockchain by visiting federalblockchainpros.com. Welcome back. This is John Stevens. I'm speaking with CEO Patrick Mandick of MavenNet regarding their project, building natural gas and oil traceability on their NeoFlow platform as part of the Department of Homeland Security's Silicon Valley Innovation Program. Patrick, I want to know what comes next. What are the long-term implications for the work that you're doing with the traceability of oil and natural gas using blockchain? So this is really just the beginning Right. So I mentioned the, the power of what we're doing goes beyond just oil, goes beyond gas and, and even energy. Right. So but the important thing is you need to start on a very narrow use case on a very specific industry because critical mass at the end of the day is what's going to to make this big. Right. So and that's how you start generate critical mass. This is similar to going back to the internet analogy. If you have internet, but just, you know, three or four people are using it, it's just an experiment, right? The moment that you start getting uh, more and more critical mass, the value of what you're creating becomes exponential. And so we think that the work with the DHS is, is super important because we're tackling a very specific pain point, a very specific use case on very specific industries. And and it's going to, uh, which by the way, both have synergies with each other, uh, oil and gas, and uh, it's going to help us start getting that traction to, to start reutilizing the same information that uh, the organization are, are going to be able to share with uh, with the DHS. Now they'll be able to share with uh, with regulators. They'll be able to share with peers. No longer, you know, you go back into taking information from uh, 
from your ERP and then paste it on an email or an Excel and send it to another organization, right? So we're creating that, that fabric of communication that enables a bunch of other use cases, right? And uh, regulatory is important. We think cross-border is important. We think uh, trade finance, uh, it's important. We think CO2 tracking. We think uh, green certificates are also interesting use cases that all this information, all this inf- infrastructure enables. So, by the way, we're not the only ones that uh, could come up with these use cases, right? So we're leaving things open. Uh, anyone, any third party can come in. if They have a good idea and say, hey, I'm going to use this common protocol, this common fabric to, to start building use cases that benefit me and uh, benefit uh, my clients or my organizations. And then, you know, it just keeps building, right? When we started with the, with TCPIP, no one was thinking that you and I would be having this conversation uh, over Zoom at this point, right? No one would ever think that you would be taking the directions of a cell phone on your car to get to a specific destination. So this is the same, right? The opportunities that creating that common standardized fabric of communication enable are are massive and uh and for the most part we're still not aware of it right the most part we will discover when us or others create it uh in the future right so so we think this needs to be the way we are going as a digital society are going to, to digitalize any sort of asset in in the near future and the only way to do it in a viable way long-term is to create an actual standard. And what are some of the barriers to getting this done? What's standing in the way? Well, the, the, the big problem is uh, what I said, right? the, the critical mass, right? Until you get to that critical mass, it, it's slow. Once you hit that critical mass, it becomes exponential. And, and by the way, this is the same problem that we've been having for 20, 30 years and why a lot of these organizations are not using a lot of digital technologies that are hand to, to be able to, to, to communicate in a digital way. So a lot of organizations have invested millions and millions of dollars internally to, to go through huge digital transformations they know specifically, they know exactly, let's say, where each barrel of oil is within their organization at any given point of time. But then when it comes to to convey or to exchanging information with uh, with another organization, you you throw away all that digitalization. You you print and, and send a letter or write an email write a PDF, which is at the end of the day, semi-paper, or in the best of cases, you, you write an Excel file, right? And, uh, and you lose kind of any kind of traceability of who's changed that Excel file, how trustworthy it is once it's changed uh, hands three, four times. But, you know, it seems like those digital islands have no, no bridges, right? So maybe there is specific companies that decided to create a digital bridge among each other 
but it's not scalable because you know they're not using specific standard right so that is the kind of the overarching uh, a problem for this to get to streamline adoption not just in in oil but i'm thinking that once it gets streamlined adoption in in one single industry this is ha- going to have such a huge impact that the adoption in any industry any other geography is going to at the exponential uh, speed right so not an easy problem to to tackle but it's only time well patrick i love the optimism there i love the vision for the future i'm really glad that you took the time to talk to us today thanks for having me john thanks for listening to this episode of the federal blockchain news podcast for more information about today's topic visit federalblockchainnews.com where you can find past episodes publications videos events and other resources about blockchain and the federal government while you're at it Follow us on Twitter at FedBlockNews. The Federal Blockchain News Podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.